Alright, well, good evening everyone. Welcome to Bible study. We're glad you're here. Well, I'm glad you're here. I guess I was speaking in kind of a weird royal we of some kind there, but I'm glad you're here. <laughs> I can speak for myself. That's about it. So welcome. Let's start time in prayer. Father, thanks for loving us and thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit. We ask that He would teach us tonight. We come before you and we want to learn something. We want to be inspired with something. We want our minds to be changed about something. We want to be drawn or brought to a place that's closer with you. So tonight, God, we give you this time. Uh, We submit ourselves to you, to your direction, and to your word. We ask God that you would speak to us. We ask God that we would be open and willing to receive what you want to say And I pray, God, that we would respond to you. Uh, It wouldn't just be information, but we'd take hold of your word and let that word live in us. And I pray that we'd respond to that living word in us. And I pray, God, for change tonight. I pray that you would challenge us. And I just ask you, God, that uh, this would be a night where uh, we know you better and where we get closer to you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, if you open up to uh, the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is where we'll be going tonight. If you need a Bible, uh, there are some available. Luke chapter 2. And uh, we're going to be looking at verses 36 through 38. Luke chapter 2. Verses 36 through 38. And when you get there, somebody could read that for us. That'd be great. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years. Wait a minute. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at the very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Alright, thanks for reading that. And we're going to talk about Anna, who in some of your Bibles, uh, before they took out any kind of uh, you know, words referring to gender, that she would have been referred to as a prophetess, a uh, female prophet, which is kind of interesting uh, as someone, Anna, as a prophetess, kind of remarkable because uh, she was a woman recognized as a prophetess at a time when no man was recognized as a prophet. Uh, there weren't any prophets in Israel. And so you have this woman, Anna, who is recognized as a prophetess, and uh, there she is serving in the temple. Now, we know in the Bible there's plenty, there are prophetesses. There are women prophets. Uh, Deborah. Who was Deborah? Anybody know? Old Testament? She's a judge. She was a judge, right? Uh, Miriam? Moses' sister. Moses' sister. Good. Huldah. Hulda. Anybody remember Hulda? Nope. All right, well. 
morning show? Yeah, <laughs> with Kathy Lee, right? Holden and Kathy Lee. Yeah. Yeah, Holden and Kathy Lee is a sad, sad state we're in. And then later on in the New Testament, uh, we know Philip. Philip's an evangelist in the New Testament. He had four daughters that were prophetesses. So, I mean, they're throughout the scriptures. Uh, what was more remarkable about this is that she's the only one that we know of. Uh, there weren't any prophets. In fact, for a lot of years, there were hundreds of years uh, between the last uh, written prophecy and now when we're reading in the scriptures. There are 400 years in there. And so there was a pretty big dry spell going on, but as you see the birth of Jesus approaching, what you're seeing is that God beginning to raise up more and more people as they begin to prophesy. Now, there's a verse in the Bible, uh, Acts 14:17, if you want to look at that, which basically tells us that God always leaves himself a witness. Right? There's always somebody. And so, as we're coming upon uh, this woman, I uh, hear Jesus is being dedicated in the temple, and she comes upon the scene, and she's recognized, and that's who she is. She's a prophetess, and uh, at a time when there were no prophets, but there she was. So, what does Acts 14, 17 say? Oh, it says, Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their season. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Okay, so God leaves a testimony. He leaves a witness. And, and so even uh, you look at like uh, even when Elijah, and Elijah was pretty close to God. Elijah heard from God, but Elijah was hiding in a cave and he was, the Lord was passing in front of him. And, and he, I mean, the Lord, he, he told the Lord at, at least one point in his life, he said, well, I'm the only one left. And God says, you're not the only one left. I've saved, you know, 120 to my own. But he couldn't see it. He didn't know that. And I think sometimes if we're feeling alone or we're feeling like we're the only one or we're feeling like, you know, well, we're, that's it or there's nobody around that we can relate to or that can relate to us or whatever it is, there's always somebody. And there's always a witness. And so uh, I know I've been in places where I've worked and I've thought that. Uh, places where it seemed like, well, I'm the only Christian here, or I'm the only person really spirit-filled, or whatever it is I'm complaining about. And then, you know, it's not long after that somebody else comes along, and or is there the whole time, and I just didn't know. And so, praying for discernment, praying for God to open my eyes, to open me up to where, you know, who are His people, what's going on. You know, God always leaves Himself a witness. It's because it's what the Bible says. Now, Anna... Her name means grace, whether that means anything to you or not, but it's what her name means. The same uh, name as Hannah. Hannah, Anna, uh, they're all the same name. Uh, she was very old. Uh, the version uh, that Don was reading, uh, it says that she was 84. Uh, some people believe that, though, the way that the thing is uh, written out and all that, she could have been up to 105, 106 years old at this time. Uh, because the way it's written, it's hard to understand whether or not she had uh, been married. And the Bible says she was married as a virgin, meaning a young woman. And she was married to her husband for seven years. And then says she'd been a widow for 84 years. 
So if, depending on how you read that, she was either 84 years old or 84 plus 7 plus however old she was when she got married. So she might have been 105, 106 years old. So she was very old. And especially for that day, uh, people uh, ordinarily, by the time that the New Testament came around, people didn't ordinarily live to be really super old anymore. And so for her to be 105 would be super remarkable, and for her to be even 84 would be fairly remarkable. But either way, she was alive, or she had been alive for about a quarter of the time between the time of the last prophets and the time of Jesus. She was physically alive for almost a quarter of that time, for almost 400, you know, for 100 years, 400 years. So she was prophesying, and the Bible says that she was praying and fasting in the temple, meaning that she was attending constantly during the hours of prayer, uh, night and day. And I, what I want you to hear from that is that's boring. All right? That's just boring. The, the temple worship was not necessarily exciting. And I know somehow in our brains we don't like to think about historical things that way, but there's a lot of boring stuff in history. And, and you think about temple worship, the same things were done every day. The same guys would rotate in and out. They rotated the priests. They rotated the Levites in and out. And they would basically be doing the same things every day. And so you had the same routine. You had the same stuff going on. And here was this woman, Anna. She was there all the time. She was there every day. She was praying. She was fasting. She was seeking God. She was worshiping. Attending constantly during the hours of prayer when the temple was open. That was what she was doing. Now we don't need to get from this she was living there. She wasn't necessarily living there. But she was there when the doors were open. And I want to emphasize on this, there was nothing exciting going on. In fact, they had tried to get rid of any excitement whatsoever that could have been going on there. Because after the last time they were carried off, after the last captivity, they came back and they dedicated themselves to being the most boring people they could possibly be when it came to God and religion and their faith. Because they were not going to stray again. They were not going to go after idols. They were not going to go after other gods. They were never going to do any of those things again. But everything would be done in an order. It would be done the same way all the time. And people were expected to conform to that way. And that was how they were going to maintain themselves and keep themselves from wandering off like they had done before. And so that's what they were doing. You see, boring produces or discourages or is in opposition to, in many ways, excitement, trying new things, going after something that you've never gone after before, maybe checking something new out, maybe finding out something you never knew or whatever it is. Listening to someone speak about something you never heard or to hear something new that God is saying or God is doing. You see, all of those things are not what they were doing. 
And, and, and while I, I kind of put it in the light of why they did it, and in their minds why they did it, and that was the justification behind it, what it led to was a real dull time when it came to God. But yet, here's this woman there every day. What was she doing? What was she doing there every day? Well, she was doing her thing. What was her thing? Fasting and praying and worshiping. Now, were there other people there doing that? Maybe. We don't know. What we do know is that she was doing that. That she had made that decision. That she had come to that place in her life. That she had had, had come to a conclusion in her life that this is how she's going to live. Regardless of what other people are doing. That she's going to seek God. She's going to hear from God. She's going to speak when God speaks to her. That's how she became known as a prophetess. And she was going to respond to the Holy Spirit. She made that decision. Even if the people around her were boring and dead. She made that decision to do that. So she was going to live. She was going to be alive regardless of what was going on around her. Which may have not been very alive at all. And probably wasn't. And all i gotta, I got to ask you, are you strong enough to do that? And I'm really, I, I really mean that. And I could say we, I could use the royal we again, but I'm asking you, are you, am I, are, are, are you strong enough to do that? To just make that kind of a decision, regardless of what's going on around you, regardless of what the people are doing, and just you're going to live. You are going to live. You are going to respond to God. You're going to live in His presence. You're going to worship. You're going to pray. You're going to fast. And you are going to be spiritually aware and alive and awake regardless of what the person next to you is doing. Can you do it? We'd like to say yes, right? Yeah. It's pretty hard. It's pretty hard. I think we should be able to do it. But the practicality of it is, is that many of us would have a really, really, really hard time with that. I, I think sometimes we, we have uh, like seasons of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I know uh, for myself, there was a time when I was, before I was coming here, I was going to Catholic Church on the west side, St. Pat's, and at first I was just like, like, dulled into it, right? You know what I mean? The, like glossing over the readings and what is, and then something inside me just like, all right, pay attention. What are you saying? What is the priest saying? What is the response? What does that mean? What, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And it's like my spirit came alive inside me, and and when I was making the response, that response was coming from my heart. Right. It wasn't coming from just, oh, you got to say that because that's what's in the book. You know, it, just, it was like, it's like a season came on me where, all right, I can do this. I can be alive in this. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Then we can fall back out of it, too. Right. Winter can come again, you know. Right. And and I think, I think that is probably the way most of us live in our, in our spiritual life. I don't know that, but I mean, 
I, I think there's seasons, I know in my spiritual life, where I catch myself in certain moments just kind of doing what I need to do. You know, I'm not having a great time at it. I'm not enjoying it necessarily. I'm not having fun. But I am doing what I need to do. I'm where I'm supposed to be. And I'm going about the business I'm supposed to go about. And I'm following the call I'm supposed to call. And I'm, I'm going about the work that God's called me to. But I might not be living in that joy. And I might not be living in that excitement. And I might not be living in what I would consider to be kind of a, a more normal experience when you are connected to the God of the universe. There should be something exciting about that. There should be something refreshing about that. There should should be something living about everything that's going on with that. And so for me, what I've found is that when I catch myself in those moments, I recognize that as a moment I need to reconnect. I need to reconnect with the power source. I need to reconnect with the life source. I need to reconnect in, with with the God that really I'm here to serve and love and and be in relationship with, and so uh, the quicker the more the, the the more quickly that we recognize ourselves in those places, the more quickly we can reconnect and and get ourselves out of that. And so hopefully, as time goes on, which I've noticed in my life it has been, those times are shorter and shorter and shorter. And, and the longer they. Really, or if you ever do, if it goes too long. Because it becomes the norm, and it becomes the expectation. And then you don't even recognize it. Right. So, so that's the danger of that. So you got this woman, Anna, I'm sure that she's praying, fasting. She's constantly in the house, in the house of prayer. She's night and day, but there's no glory. It's fairly lifeless, and it's boring. But she's creating or she's doing something that she's able to sustain this lifestyle for a long time. A long time. Something is powerful in her. Something is living in her. Something is on fire in her that keeps her going through whatever it is that's going or not going on where she's at. So my point of that is this, is that the environment was not the key for her. It was something else that was the key for her. Do you think about the leadership of the temple at the time? Even, and I I, I didn't even think of this when I was preparing this, but who was in charge? Who was in charge of the temple at this time? It was the Sanhedrin, right? I don't know who the high priest was at this moment. But in general, who was in charge? The Sanhedrin. Who were the Sanhedrin? <laughs> Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes, right? What did John the Baptist call them? Families of snakes. What did Jesus have to say about them? Not good, right? Okay, so those were the guys that were in charge of the worship. They were the guys that were in charge of the temple. So, not only was it routine, not only was it the same stuff all the time, not only was it probably just boring as all get out, but the people in charge were corrupt. So you had all of these factors going on, and it's remarkable, this woman, who was anywhere between 85 and 105, however old she was, 
was still worshiping, still serving, still ministering before God, still praising, still fasting, night and day, and still carrying on like she was. Powerful. As a prophetess of God. And so there was an instant described in these verses. In verse 38. It says, And Anna came to Jesus' family at that very moment, or in that instant. Right there. Now, first thing you got to realize is she was there to be there. Okay? <laughs> that it was her faithfulness, her faithfulness to what she was called to, her faithfulness to what she was being used in, had her in the right place at the right time. That doesn't mean she was going to discern the moment, but it meant that she was in the right place at the right time in order to discern the moment she was there. Whether or not she was going to or not, that's another story. But she was in the right place at the right time. Why? Because she was faithful to what God called her to. So she's in the right place. She's there at the right time. She was faithful. And in that instant that Simeon took Christ into his arms, she was there. She was there. And so she was sensitive to God's plan and will. There is something to be said to be a discerner of the time of God. Something to be really be said about that. When you can begin, when I can begin to discern God's time, God's moment, God's instant. I'm always fascinated in the Bible when it talks about moments and instances. Fascinating or spots, or in that place. When it designates certain places and certain times, especially time frames that are very short, that people are able to discern the time, they're able to discern the place, and able to respond in the moment. Not to see it, and then somehow try to figure it out, think about it, mull it over, and then respond when it's way too late. Do you understand what I'm saying? She was in the moment at the time. I mean, she'd probably she'd been in the temple for we don't know how long. 70, 90 years. She had been going to the temple. She'd been praising, she'd been praying, she'd been fasting, she'd been prophesying in the temple, but in this instant, in this moment, she discerned the time, she saw it, and she responded to it in that moment. There's something really powerful about that. And I am, like I said, totally fascinated by that. Because those are those moments. Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, a sinner by every definition of sinner, tax collector, cheat, thief, whatever you want to say, he was in the right place at the right time, he discerned the moment when Jesus was passing by, put himself in a position to see Jesus, for Jesus to see him, and he received Jesus into his house that day. His life changed in that moment. So I really want to encourage us, and when I say us, I mean me and you. I want to encourage us to, when we're in the moment, to respond. I want to encourage us to be 
discerners of the time and discerners of, of the place of God and to respond in those moments. I have let too many moments in my life pass by. I don't want to let any more moments pass by. Where something is happening, God is moving, there's revelation that's coming, there's a word that's being spoken, there is something that's happening in that moment. I am tired of watching those moments pass by without responding to what God is saying and what God is doing. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it in the physical. I'm tired of those moments when I've had just opportunity to respond in a moment or experience something or to sit back and to enjoy something in the moment. I'm tired even in the physical of letting those moments pass, much less the spiritual. Now you think back at at certain times in your life. You think back to just, just hinge moments like the moment that you graduated from something or the moment that you were married or the moment that you had a child or the moment, you know, all these moments that we have in our life, whatever they are. But you think back to those kind of key moments and and how would we have reacted if it happened now? But we didn't react then. But we let the moment pass. We were worried about what the person behind us thought. Or we felt like people were rushing us through a line. Or we felt like this or that or whatever it was. And if those are natural moments that we miss, the supernatural moments, I mean, it just breaks my heart. And I don't want that. I do not want to live in that kind of space, in that kind of place where I am missing the moments with God that He is bringing forth right in front of me. You know, children were dedicated to the temple every day, pretty much, every week at least. How many kids had, had Anna seen, de- or Simeon even, seen dedicated in that temple? Probably lots, probably hundreds, thousands. Thousands of kids. Come through that temple, we're dedicated. But this day, in this moment, she walks up, Jesus is in the arms of Simeon. And she takes that moment, and she prophesies in that moment. She seizes it. You think about it. 80 years in the temple, what's happened? Not much. 80 years, but to that moment, in that spot, in that place, at that instant, it says. In that instant, she snaps to life and she speaks forth that word that needed to be spoken right then, the moment, the instant. She was sensitive to God's plan and God's will. You see, Jesus... Is referred to as the consolation of Israel. Anybody know what that means? Because that's what she recognized there. She recognized something about Jesus. What's the consolation of Israel? Anybody know? Kind of an old-fashioned word, right? Comfort. Yeah, but what are they, what, are, what is he comforting? You see, he, representative in him. I'll answer. Representative, representative in Him are expectations, hopes, dreams, plans, 
the future. It's what they all were looking for. It's what they all wanted. It's what they were all hoping for. It's what they all dreamed about. And there he was, that little baby. And, and she was able to see that. She was able to understand that. She was able to discern that in that moment. That little baby right there. The consolation of Israel or in him, the expectations, the hopes, the dreams, the plans, the future of all of these people. This whole nation. And so she spoke to the ones that could hear her. Not everyone heard her. I mean, it's recorded in the Bible, so we can read it. But she spoke it, and and I know not everyone heard her because they didn't all believe in Jesus, did they? In fact, the the leadership of the temple, the very temple that, that she was standing in, they convicted him. They found him guilty and wanted him crucified in about 30 years or so. So they didn't hear her. Not everyone heard what she had to say, but there were some people that could hear her, what she had to say. Some people that could experience that moment with her, that could discern that moment with her. I'll share three things that I think are important in being able to hear that with you. The first is vision. And all about vision is that, I'm just going to say, just recognizing Jesus. How are you going to recognize Jesus if you're not looking for Him? Or you don't want to find Him? You see, He's in you. He is in you. For better, for worse, He's in you. And, and he, he occupies you with the hard heart or the, the, the dead heart or the sleeping heart or whatever's going on in your heart. He's right there. He knows what's happening. He knows limitations. He knows the, the, your, your greatness. He knows your not-so-greatness. He knows your, your, the, the good days, the bad days. He knows everything. Everything. He's in you. And sometimes we don't like to think of that. We don't like to recognize that. We don't want to just acknowledge the fact that He's in us. But He is in us, and we need to acknowledge that. There needs to be a daily exercise for us to acknowledge Jesus in our life. And I mean in us. In our in us. Physically. That He is in us. And being able to acknowledge and being able to, to, to really find ourselves in His presence. Not because we're in a building, not because we're around certain people, not because we have a book in our hand, not because we don't have a book in our hand, not because we're singing, not because we're not singing, not because of anything on the outside. The fact of the matter is, and what we need to come to a point in our lives to recognize, is that He is in us and we are in His presence all the time. And it's one thing for me to say that, for you to have a mental assent to that. Yes, we're in His presence all the time. Well, God's everywhere, so we have to be in His presence. No, He is in you. And recognizing His presence in you. And not just every year or every month or every week, but really every day and more than just once a day, really recognizing the presence of Jesus in your life. In here. In here. 
in the deep places, in the bowels. In our innermost being, He's here. If you want to think of it as your heart, think of it as your heart. If you want to think of it, whatever you want to think of it as, but deep in you, that's where He is. And so with our eyes open to that, with our eyes open to Jesus' presence in us, where is He manifesting in our life today? Where is He manifesting on the outside of us? What is He leading us into? Where is He leading us to go? If He is actively living in us, what what was that going to mean to our communication level? Our level of intimacy with Him? Our responsiveness to Him? I mean, all of those things are super important for us to begin to experience on a real, and and I mean, not just daily, but a momentary basis. Anna had to come out of somewhere, had to walk over to a a scene that she had seen a thousand times, and had to walk up to a baby that she didn't know or never seen before, and had to respond to that. Why? Because Jesus in her. That the, the Spirit of God in her was leading her to that little baby. And that Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit is leading us. If we're listening. You know, there's a big difference between just every now and then, because we put ourselves in a certain situation, we're listening to God. Or having a continuous Fellowship with Him. Because He lives in us. However you want to see Him, you can see Him, but it's recognizing the presence is what matters. I firmly believe that. I firmly believe it's the recognition, having the vision, the inner vision, to see Jesus. The inner vision to see His Holy Spirit intertwined with our spirit that begins to open our eyes to what's on the outside and the manifestation of the Spirit all around us. Second thing that I see that people could hear her is they had an active expectation. These people actually had a hope. They had a hope. The people that could hear her, Simeon heard her. He had a hope. He'd been waiting around for this long. He'd been looking. He'd been seeing. He'd been recognizing. Anna was prophesying. They had a hope. They had an active expectation that something was going to happen. What's going to happen with you today? I don't know. What's going to happen with you tonight with Jesus? You have any expectation whatsoever of dreams, visions? I'm not picking on you. I'm just asking. Do we have any active expectations about Jesus revealing Himself or showing us something or putting us in a situation to minister to somebody or receiving revelation or peace or grace or love or living in that love or falling asleep in His love tonight? Do we have any expectation? Absolutely. Alright. There's one. We'll chalk that one up. Well, yeah. We need to have some kind of expectation in our lives. I mean... Every, you know, any time when I would, and it doesn't matter if I was on the road or I'm here, if I stand up in front of people, I have an expectation for God to change somebody's life. Every single time. 
And I can be sick as a dog, and you know, barely able to talk, you know, hoarse or coughing or whatever. I still believe God's going to change somebody's life. There might be five people in the room. God's going to change somebody. There might be two people in the room. God's going to change somebody's life. In fact, I've spoken to empty rooms, and I still believe God was going to change somebody's life because there'd be somebody listening on the outside. Or whatever. As crazy as that sounds. I don't care. I still have the expectation. Still have it. Still in my head. Still in my heart. Still deep in me. Somewhere, somehow, that thing got stirred up in me early on, and I wasn't going to leave the house, and I wasn't going to leave my dorm room, and I wasn't going to leave whatever I was leaving to go out and do nothing, or do the same things I was doing. I wasn't going to do it. That there was an expectation somehow God was going to change something. God was going to make something different. It's going to happen. That reminds me of the time when you um, taught years ago about how we're all people of influence and every single thing that we do can impact or make a difference on people around us. And, you know, living in that expectation, you know, so I, you know, I'm always like, so is this going to be something that's going to inspire someone or am I a downer? You know, just trying to figure that out. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's true, and, and, and the, the, the point of that is that we have the living God in us. There should be an expectation we're going to influence things. There should be an expectation that things are going to move out of the way when they need to move out of the way. There should be an expectation that, that people are going to welcome us, or people are going to uh, go out of their way to help us. So in response to your Christ in you, Colossians one twenty seven. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I like Christ in you. Yeah. Hope of glory. So we need a, an active expectation. I mean, activated. Active. Right now. Active. Just active. It's going to happen. You know, we go out doing evangelism. I have an active expectation something's going to happen every time. All right? Every time. When I, when I sit down with somebody for the first time and I, I meet with them to begin a discipleship process with them, I have an active expectation certain things are going to change. I just have it. It's, it's so much of an expectation, I just know it's going to happen. I know it. And that's faith, or that's whatever it is you think it is. Uh, when I pray deliverance over somebody, I am not just hoping for the best. I have an active expectation about what's about to happen. Those of you that ever travel with me overseas, I have active expectations about how things are going to go. And they're super active. To the point, I know it's going to happen. <clears throat> And if something comes up and it seems weird or something comes up and it doesn't seem like it's going our way or something comes up and it seems like it's going to be that, I have an active expectation about that God's going to move. And the end will be greater and better than the beginning. It is. So the first thing is, is recognizing Jesus in us, the hope of glory. Having an active expectation about who we are and what God's doing through us. 
And the third thing, and third element I think that contributes to us in being able to hear is a freedom in our heart. In other words, not being bound by what others, or even not being bound by what you think about yourself. You see, because that, that's important too. Because most of us, uh, we're not so prideful that we think just so highly of ourselves. Because we know ourselves pretty well, and we know our limitations, and we know our expectations. Or we know our limitations, and we know our failures, and we know what we're capable of, not capable of, all those kind of things. If you have a, you know, a kind of a decent view of who you are, you kind of know that. And yet, and yet, the, the, you can't let that keep you bound. Or even what other people think. Oh, that guy will never amount to anything. Or that guy, he can't do this or he can't do that. You know, I grew up and I was always the clumsy kid. The clumsy kid. Oh, yeah, he just falls all over himself. You know, he, yeah. Yeah, my, my parents would apologize for me. And I'm that, I'm that kid. But there came a point in my life where I just rejected that. And I wasn't the clumsy kid anymore. And I wasn't going to be the clumsy kid anymore. And, and really, I wasn't the clumsy kid anymore. And even to the day, you know, like even a couple of years ago, I remember my, my mother, she called me that again a couple of years ago. But that's just not who I am. Right. And I won't be bound by that. Now, and, and, and I know, like, and that happens with Morgan sometimes. Oh, you know, she's, she's clumsy. She's not clumsy. In fact, I watch her do things with her body and her body control that's pretty amazing. And so I hope that even though there are some people that might say that to her, you know, I try to speak something totally different to her so that she's not bound by that. Ultimately, she's got to decide not to be bound by that. But you can't let your own self-view bind you it can't you can't let what other people are saying to bind you because there's things that God wants to do through you that other people they can't see that there's things that God wants to show you and God wants to say to you that other people they have no idea there's things that God wants to show you and say to you that you have no idea about yet because he hasn't said it yet and he hasn't showed it to you yet but don't cut it off before it even happens. Don't, don't somehow rule it out before it could even take place in your life. Because if you have something in your mind or something in your heart, well, God doesn't speak to me that way. Well, maybe He does. He just hasn't yet. Or maybe He has and you missed it because you decided that God doesn't speak to you that way. Well, God doesn't use me like that. Well, not yet. Maybe He wants to use you like that, but you've been so closed off to the idea that you're not even open to God using you like that. And so you've just rejected it before it even took place. But if we can get unbound in our own minds, we get unbound in our own hearts from those kind of ideas and put ourselves in a position, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to say? And we have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. You see, that we put ourselves into the position that Anna was in here. Because in the moment, in the instant, she could respond. And she could prophesy. 
But you look at her whole life, I mean, you know, a woman can't be prophets. Well, she's a prophetess. There are no prophets in Israel. She's a prophetess. She's prophesying. Well, you know, widows, they can't take care of themselves back in that day and age. She's been taking care of herself for a long time. 84 years. She's doing okay. There are lots of things people said about her that weren't true. And she proved it not to be true, but she had to walk out from under that in order to live the life that God had for her. She couldn't walk under the expectations of the society that she had, or she would have never done any of the things that she was doing. And she wouldn't be living the way that she was living. She had to step out of that and move into what God had for her. And so you see that physically in her life. You see her living the life God called her to live despite her society, despite what people said, despite the circumstances around her, despite what was going on or not going on in the temple. All that stuff. She had made her decision. She was living the life. And she was doing the things that she was called to do. You see that. So that in the instant that she came into the presence of Jesus, she was ready and she responded in that moment. She practiced life in the Spirit. She practiced discerning the time. She practiced the presence of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in her. She had an active, active expectation that God was going to speak, that God was going to move, that God was going to use her, that God was going to reveal to her, that God was going to show her what He needed to show her. And she wasn't bound by whatever. People. Institutions. Herself. She wasn't bound by that. And so she was ready. Ready. And she, was, and she responded in the moment. We need to be ready in the moment. Now I'm talking about all of us. All of us. Ready in the moment. Because you, you got another bunch of moments coming up tonight and then tomorrow. You got a bunch of people you're going to be around tomorrow. Maybe tonight. You got a bunch of moments coming up. Maybe something will happen. Be ready. I don't know what's going to happen. Poor Anna, I mean, she'd been there a long time, right? But the moment came, she was ready. She was ready. It's easier to fall asleep. It really is. It's easier just to... Just to get into the grind, to fall asleep, and just go through the motions. But that should be the warning. That should be the warning. If we catch ourselves in those moments where we're sleeping, we're grinding away, that we're just going through the motions, that's the warning. We gotta get back with Jesus. That's the warning. And the longer, the longer we keep just going through the grind of it all, the harder it gets. 
because it just seems so natural. So natural. You know, I wake up every day, with, and some of you do this. You wake up every day without an alarm. You have to set an alarm. I don't even set an alarm anymore. Because I know I'm going to wake up every day at a certain time. Because that's just the way it is. To the point that even when I want to sleep in, what happens? You wake up at a certain time. Yeah. Well, you know, that's kind of the power of habits in our life. That's a powerful thing. Even, even if I willed not to wake up at a certain time and I want to sleep in, I'm still going to wake up at that time. Can't help it. And so we need to be careful what habits we're allowing to continue in our life and what we're feeding. And if a habit is something like I've been describing, that becomes a warning sign. We need to do something about it. We need to do something about it. All of this, everything I'm talking about, everything I'm going through tonight, it, it, has, it starts with your relationship, your intimacy with Jesus who is in you. And it will flow from there. So let's just take a few moments. I know I usually do questions, but I, I really want to take a couple moments right now. And let's just take a moment to recognize Jesus in us. To recognize that He, the, the very presence of God, the person of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, His Holy Spirit is just in us. And so Jesus, we recognize Your presence tonight in the deep places in our life. You're in our innermost being. You dwell in, in, in really the, the deep dark places in our bowels. And so we thank you for that. And as we recognize that, we, we just ask you, Jesus, that we just get closer and closer to you. And I pray for those that are here that find themselves kind of going through the motions or find themselves at a stagnation point or find themselves grinding away but really not having that relational and intimacy, that peace, that presence about their life. You gotta pray they can find uh, find you tonight in them. Deep in them. I pray they can find you. I pray for more of your presence. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray your forgiveness for ignoring you and for trying to go about life in our own smarts or in our own experience, in our own ways of doing things to our own ends. I pray that you would forgive us and you would cleanse us from that. And I pray, Jesus, that we would look to you and find ourselves in your presence
living in the vision, God, that you give us, going through the day and finding the moments and the instances and the times and discerning the times as they're laid out before us. So God, I I pray that we would live life to the fullest. We would live life abundantly as the God of the universe lives in us and lives through us. Yeah. Just enjoy your presence, Jesus. Just enjoy your presence tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to encourage you tonight, too, if there's something you need to do. And while we're, in, you know, we're recognizing Jesus' presence in us, if there's something like you're really, it's getting highlighted, kind of glowing, <laughs> or however it highlights in your, in your heart or in your mind, but there's something you need to do, I just want to encourage you to do it. I just want to encourage you to do it. If it's speak to someone, if it's write an email, send a text, hug somebody, pray for somebody, bless somebody. Whatever it needs to happen, I just want to encourage you to do that. To take a step tonight. Yeah. Jesus, we give you thanks. We give you thanks. Pray, God, that you'd make us more and more sensitive as discerners of your time and discerners of your place. We ask, God, that you'd be glorified. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alrighty. God bless you. It's good to see everybody. And we'll see you again.